Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast. My name is Luke Hatfield. I should mention this is uh, the Baggies Broadcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. I keep forgetting to do that by the way. Uh, and I'm joined by a man who is absolutely fuming, fuming, his word, fuming, that I'm now officially off the market. Mr. Joe Massey. <laughs> I am fuming, mate. I am fuming. I always wonder what you're going to say in these intros and you always catch me by surprise. You got um, something you want to tell me or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, we're a little double act, aren't we? <laughs> um, I, well, first of all, mate, I'm very glad to have you back. I know I've just said that to you before we press record, but I am honestly glad to have you back. It feels like ages. And yes, mate, I cannot believe. I'm so happy you're engaged. I'm so happy to start planning an Albion themed wedding. But after all my nagging, I cannot believe you didn't tell me you were going to do it. We were literally in a car together. Days before you proposed, and I said to you in that car, you said, oh, "I'm going. To, you're going away. I'm going to Greece, wherever you went." Mm. And I was like, "Oh, mate, mate, is this the time? Is this the time? You're going to pop the question." And you, ice cold, no emotion whatsoever, just lied to my face. <laughs> and I, mate, I never, I didn't second guess you once. No, I, no, no. I never thought in a million years what was then going to happen was you were going to go and pop the question, mate. You're Do you know what it is? Worryingly good liar. Worryingly good. <laughs> I've had it for you. This is this is an issue because that week it was full of lies. I was just on pure <laughs> deceit that week. Um, so we were organising a surprise birthday for 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 my missus as well because it was her birthday. And the weekend before we had like a, a surprise party planned, and I was lying to her all week. Oh, you can't do anything Saturday. I'm too busy. This and that. Um, and, and then managed to like trick her into to go into. Um, her sister's where we had it. Uh, and she was like, oh, you were worryingly good at lying about that. And I was like, geez, you don't even know what's coming. Um, <laughs> but the reason yeah. I didn't tell you, mate, loose lips sink ships. Mate, I agree with you. I agree with you. You Can't did very, very it. well. You did very, very well. I thought you would tell me, based on all the nagging and based on how, how pleased I am that you've finally <laughs> done it. But, mate, you, you did a good job. I, I thought you were a little bit jealous, to be honest. I, Wasn't I said, over jealous. I still have a special place in your heart, I know. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the claims of an Albion-themed wedding that were laughable. I've seen the wedding list, mate. You want an Albion toaster, don't you? Albion no, 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 Albion, no, no. Albion bed cover. No. <laughs> don't be so silly. Um, no, that's not that. That won't be happening. That won't be happening. I'm afraid. Okay, mate. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> We'll see. How was um? How was your week off? Because it's been t- it's been two weeks since an Albion podcast. I can't even remember my week off anymore. I genuinely can't even remember it. It was that good. It was that good. Just a job around the house, mate. Yeah, it was nothing. It was not. It was um. Yeah, it was nothing. It was nothing podcast worthy, mate. From what I can remember, it no. was very very quiet. Uh, emotional day for me today, though. My little girl started school. Oh. And uh, I took her this morning, dropped her off, picked her they... up at five past three. Were there tears? So I was a bit emotional, yeah. I was a bit emotional, but um, <clears throat> yeah, it sounds, it sounds weird. But didn't like we were stood on a I was stood on a playground with like hundreds of kids and parents, and it didn't really dawn on me until that moment she was actually going to school. It didn't, wasn't. Yeah. It was crazy, really. But um, but yeah, but all good, mate. All good. I remember my first day of school. Absolutely bawled my eyes out. Do you? I did. You remember that? Yeah, I remember it. Oh bless. I had her. separation anxiety and all of it. <laughs> What, what do you mean? I don't have to spend all day with my parents. I was absolutely gutted. I was, the tears were in full flow. Didn't fancy a pod with Judah, though, last week, no? 
No, mate, no, no, we've, we've, we've given up. There's no one, you just can't be replaced, mate, you can't be replaced. Luke Hatfield and the Baggies broadcast are like, I don't know what they're like, but you just go together, you just go to, we can't, we can't do it without you, mate. Just leave the, 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 the desperate masses waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd rather have it with you, I think. Yeah, I think so. They wouldn't like Judas pro wolf story. We don't need any dingle nonsense, do we? No. Well, they're gonna get they're gonna get some um, some Albion themed chat in the in the Wolves podcast because I'm meant to be hosting that one this week. That's gonna go well. Do it, I love the way you say you're gonna talk about Albion but not Villa. But well, of course I'm gonna talk about Villa because I'm a Villa fan and we're gonna be discussing it heavily. Of course, of course. Come on then. It's been two weeks. Let's do a podcast. It it has been two weeks. We've got so much to talk talk about. Let's start. Let's start. Shall we start with deadline day? Shall we start with that? This is going to be a weird podcast. I don't know how far back we should go, really. Oh, we're going. My back. memory really isn't great. We'll be going back as far as um, Semi Ajayi's wonderful winner against Peterborough. Oh, yeah, we'll go back. We'll, we'll go, go back that far. Yeah, we'll go back um, that far. But we've got plenty to talk about before that. Um, wasn't a busy final day for you. I bet you had your feet up. I bet you were just enjoying life. Very chilled, wasn't it? Um... I can't remember when Hugel and Malumbi arrived now. Did they arrive? The day they were of... in the days preceding. In the days preceding, yeah. It was very clear, really, that Albion weren't going to do anything on deadline day. A lot of fans thought they needed to. There was... Um, I mean, there wasn't... I mean, it's, all, it's, it's sort of flooding back to me now. Um, I was on... Yeah, because obviously deadline day... Obviously, the, the, the deadline is 11pm or whatever it is. So, we sort of start later. Our shifts start late. Obviously, you're always on the phone... You're always on the phone checking messages, checking checking Twitter and stuff to see what's mm. going on, and uh, like you take calls if something's cropping up. But like I was starting later on, on that day at sort of two o'clock, and then uh, two p.m. till midnight shift. You no, know, two p.m. Yeah, and I was I've been with my kids in the day, so it was a bit tricky, sort of keeping on tabs and things, but trying to keep on top of it. But I was actually it, by the time I started two two thirty. Um, it was abundantly clear Albion weren't going to sign anyone. I sort of knew that in the days leading up to it anyway. I think mm. that, that was obvious. But I put out a tweet to say, you always caveat it by saying it's deadline day, anything can happen. But we knew really. Um, we said not expecting any more additions. And there was an absolute meltdown on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, an absolute meltdown. Um, <clears throat> has to be said. Um, and I've got to be honest, hand on heart, it surprised me. I, I was I was genuinely shocked um, at the strength of feeling at a lack of additions. Um, I really was, um, and I think I don't think a lot's changed since then. I think well, I, I did a piece explaining Albion's finances. I think that's where a lot of it stemmed from. There was a, there was perhaps people were more angry at what they perceived to be a lack of investment. The fact that Albion didn't spend any transfer fees during the window. I think, and, and how Gouch and Lai owns the club. I think that was where the anger was at, perhaps, more than the fact Albion didn't sign a player on deadline day. Mm. Um, well, we, I mean, there's not a lot I can add to the finances by the piece I wrote, so I think that explains it as best as I possibly could anyway. Um, but yeah, there was a surprise. It did take me back. I was surprised by it. I then put a sort of a tweet out just to just of like a squad, Albion's squad. Um, yeah. And you got to say, I think there's, there's, there's two players for every position, with the exception of right wing back, which is a major concern. 
There's no doubt about it. It's a major concern. Darnell Furlong has been absolutely outstanding all season, both in terms of, well, three-way. He's been excellent defensively. He's been bundles of energy and a threat going forward. And we've all seen his long throws. They're absolute weapons. Mm. So there's no doubt about it. He is a key, key, key player this season and a key player for Ishmael, uh, for the way Ishmael wants to play. And if he was to get injured... You'd have concerns there. Obviously, it, from what I understand, is Taylor Gardner-Hickman and Ethan Ingram are, are, are backups to him. But I think when you look at the squad, look, we've been rocked by the injuries to Matt Clark and, and Dar Roche. Dar obviously, an absolute nightmare, one four to six months. Mm. Key and Brian replaces him in the squad. Um, with terms of Matt Clark, look, he's still got another month to go. It's unfortunate. He's going to be out for another month or whatever. But look, you're not going to go through the season without an injury. So losing a player for six weeks, it's going to happen to every team at some point. So yeah. that, that was always going to happen. So I don't think that's sort of as perhaps as disastrous as maybe the reaction has been to it. But with the exception of right wing back, I think there's two players in every position. I think the squad is strong. I think it's... Very, very similar to the one that went up two years ago. A year yeah. ago. Um, I don't. For me, there is, there is enough there, to get to get promoted. And and what I will caveat that with is, there is a January window. Like, a, Albion can still strengthen this group of players. They can still bring in players in January. Um, and I. So I think people sort of forgot that. Um, this is only the squad till January. I personally think it's a very good squad. I personally think there's a lot of options there. I think the front the front players will score goals. They have done throughout the five games so far. I think Jordan Hugo will add something to it. A different option, just like we saw at Peterborough. I think I've been a, a fairly well stacked till um, till January, with the exception at right wing back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you just don't go through a season... You, you never have a perfect squad. When, when Albion went up last time from the Championship, central midfield was Jake Livermore and Main Sawyers. Behind them was Rakeem Harper and Philip Kravinovich. And Kravinovich didn't really settle till after January, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and Rakeem Harper, I, I always like Rakeem Harper, but, but with the greatest respect, he's playing for a League One side now who can't win a game. So it's not... You're never going to have an unbelievable squad in every area. It's just not going to happen. So, I, I, I think I think Albion are looking strong to January. I genuinely do. They've won four games in a row. Um, they're unbeaten. They're joint top of the table. I don't think anyone could have asked any more from Ishmael in terms of it, how quickly he has implemented his philosophy. Mm. Um, I think there's been a, a lot of successes. So, in terms of deadline day itself, it was a... It was a massive sort of, yeah, that, when I put that tweet out to say I wasn't expecting any income, and so the reaction did surprise me. It was, it was hostile. Um, but I think, I hope the piece I then did explaining the, the sort of the rationale behind Albion's finances, and I think maybe now the dust has settled a little bit, people can hopefully can see that, look, we'd all make improvements probably. We'd all, if we had the money, we'd all sign someone like Daryl DK and we'd all sign a right wing back. We mm. all would. But, this is the real world. It's not. It's not. No one has got a perfect squad. No. Um, and I think Albion have got a great chance to to be in that top two come January. 
it's always a strange one with deadline day, I think. Because if your club doesn't do any business, then there's always people saying, oh, we should have done business on deadline day. It's it's an event, almost. It's not just another day. Um, but equally, I think if, if you're doing a lot of business on deadline day, it screams of a little bit of desperation and you've not got your, you know, you've not got everything in line and, you know, it's, it's just... It, it, I always, I would always say I'd be a little bit more worried if, if a club's doing lots of business on deadline day, a la uh, those down the road at Molyneux Wolves. They had a, a nightmarish deadline day, didn't they? And you only need to look at that and then think, well, they looked like they were panicking a little bit. Whereas Valbian, I know I haven't spent loads of money, and we'll get on to the, the Pereira money, which seems to be an issue for a lot of fans. Um the fact that they've managed to bolster in all them positions, and although like Jordan Hugel's not exactly the flashiest name, but I think he'll do fantastic in this system. I think he'll, I think he'll be brilliant. Um, I just think you, know, you, you maybe need to look at the business as a whole, judge the fact that you're going through a pandemic, and we'll see. Well, I mean, like you said, Albion have started brilliantly, and if they continue that, then it'll be held as a very good window. Um, the positions, though, which obviously a lot of fans wanted to address him, was striker and right wing back. Um, did Albion close to come close to getting anyone else in? I mean, I know there were some links with Troy Deeney. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, there's some links with Troy Deeney. My understanding was that Albion were potentially in for him, uh, but I think that I, I think, look, what I what I believe to have happened rather. It's my belief rather than my understanding. Um, <clears throat> I've explained the difference between that before, but I, look, I, I personally think that Darryl DK is Valerian Ishmael's number one target. Um, mm. And I think he would like to sign him. Well, I think he would like to sign him last month. I think he'd probably like to sign him in January. I think he'd like to sign him if Albion won promotion and get into the Premier League. I think probably after that, <clears throat> the strikers he was looking at were... were uh, I don't know what the right word is really, but it's to, it's to do a job now. Mm. Um, and I think he, he absolutely needs a physical type of centre-forward, a target man type of centre-forward, a, a, a traditional out-and-out centre-forward, which Jordan Hugel is. Um, and I'd imagine Hugel was his preferred choice and he's brought him in. Um, <clears throat> and then who knows, maybe January go try again for DK or maybe in the summer try again for him, something like that. Um, I think that was... That is, in terms of the strike situation, that was my understand. That's my understanding of it. Really, is that I think DK was the number one target, but from what we gather, Orlando weren't going to let him go for, without for an awful lot of money this window, um, and we'll see how that changes further down the line. Hopefully, um, mm-hmm. in terms of right wing back, this is a really interesting one. Um, I, from what I understand, there was no. I don't. I don't know of any other right wing backs that were linked or that Albion were chasing, <clears throat> and this is. It's a complete contradiction because a lot of people are making this point on Twitter. So I'm not. It's not. It's not my point, but it's. It needs. It's a very good point. So it needs expressing, which is there comes a point where you have to give young players a chance. Yeah. You have to give them a chance, and you can't. There is no utopian world where first where young players get a chance, but you keep playing experienced players. You you can't. It just doesn't work. You can't have it. So, and I feel like. There's a lot of people who want both. 
they want their players, their youngsters to get experience, but they don't want them getting. Ex- they don't want them playing on Saturday because Saturday is too big a game. Yeah. Um, and it, that those lines seem to have been blurred a bit, really, like between what is actually possible and what is reality. And I think Albion have had some like bang average right backs in in the last couple of years in the squad, haven't they? I mean, a Tyro Mears. I don't yeah. know a, a lot about him to be honest. I mean, I never saw him play. Uh, for Albion, I don't think. Um, but uh, you'd, you'd have to classify Lee Peltier as the same, wouldn't you? That, yeah. Um, like, with the greatest respect to them, they, they, they've joined the club as journeymen, really. Um, and journeymen just aren't going to cut it for Ishmael because they're likely to be over 30. They're probably not... Look, I'm not saying you can't play with the intensity of smell demands when you're over 30, but it's harder, or yeah. you have to be a certain type of person. Like I think, obviously, Jake Livermore can do it, um, but not not everyone can when they're over 30. So, journeyman, sort of, yeah, free agent type players like Lee Peltier and Tyrone Mears are not we're not we're not an option for him, um, really. And so I think. He's really Taylor Garner Hickman. I know. I I know for a fact has impressed Ishmael from the moment he joined. And you got to remember, Taylor Garner Hickman was on the bench last season, towards the end of last season in the Premier League. So he made a big impression on Sam Allardyce as well. Yeah. I know. I know. He, I know. Ishmael was really impressed with him from the beginning, and the, but from what seems to have been the case over the last couple of weeks, I was adamant Taylor Garner Hickman was the number one backup to Darnell Furlong. The lines seem to have become a little bit blurred over the last couple of weeks because it appears like Ishmael is also really, really impressed with Ethan Ingram. Mm. So I don't actually know who is next in the pecking order. And obviously, of course, you've got Matt Phillips who could go in there at right wing back as well. Um, so it's a difficult one because I'm part of the I'm part of it. I contradict myself as well. I say like in an ideal world, I think I would have liked us to seen a right wing back come in because when you play with wing backs they're so keen to the system and furlong's so key it seems a big ask to ask a young lad come in but at the same time i would much rather see taylor gardner hickman or ethan ingram given a go than bring back someone like a leap Altier or someone i mean who's the best right wing back for, out, out there free agent andre wisdom someone like that mm. um <clears throat> so I think we've got a youth. Youth has always been integral to Ishmael. Um, like, I mean, obviously, he, was, he, he worked in the youth teams at Nuremberg and Wolfsburg, and then obviously went to the Wolfsburg first team. But bringing through academy players has always been important for him. He's got, he does trust in youth. Um, and he hasn't felt, he clearly hasn't felt the need to bring someone in. He's looked at Gaelic Garnett-Hickman and Ethan Ingram, and he's. He appears to be happy with those. And let's go, I think we've got to go with it because, look, Slavin came in and he basically plucked Nathan Ferguson and Dara O'Shea from obscurity. Um, so who's to say that Taylor Garner-Hickman or Ethan Ingram isn't the next O'Shea or Nathan Ferguson? They've, they've, they've got to get a chance at some stage, haven't they? Um, so, yeah, hopefully they will. Fingers crossed they do. Um I think the thing that's irked a lot of Albion fans is they've seen a player like Mateus Pereira leave. They didn't get exactly the fee they would have wanted for him. Um, but still, it's a, it's, a, it's a big departure. 
Yeah, we haven't that- seen we haven't seen that money reinvested in terms of outlays in transfer fees. No, and and I think I, I, hopefully the piece I did last week explains the reasons why that money hasn't been invested. Multiple reasons, really. The the first one and the headline is the fee. Yeah. Um, and the fee is, <clears throat> it's like I understand, Express and Star understands it's, it's seventeen million pounds, paid in four instalments over four years. Um, which is basically I've been getting four point two five million a year for the next four years for Mateus Pereira, which is isn't a lot of money really. I think I think everyone listening to this podcast I I, I think in my head Mateus Pereira is worth twenty five million pounds. There is there will people will be listening to this podcast now who think that's ridiculous. And I think it's ridiculous because I think he's worth thirty, thirty five million pounds. Um so I'm on the conservative side of the Pereira valuation. I think I'm at the lower end anyway, um, but seventeen million pounds. There's no doubt about it. It's not what it's not what he's worth. No. Um, <clears throat> but what's abundantly clear is it's not been a great end for Pereira Albion. Um, Ishmael didn't want him as part of the group. If he wasn't, if he's not hundred, if you're not hundred percent behind Ishmael in the way he wants to play, Ishmael just doesn't want to know. Um, so. I can't. I couldn't see Pereira getting minutes under Ishmael, to be honest, because you have to press and you have to play with that intensity from minute one to minute to, to minute ninety. And if his heart wasn't at Albion anymore, I just don't know if he'd do that. Yeah. Um, he clearly wanted to leave. Ishmael didn't want him if he's not committed. Uh, I think Albion <clears throat> took the took, took the highest. Uh, basically, Albion came to the an acceptance that they had to sell him last month and he would go to the highest bidder and that bid was what a relatively low offer from Al Al Halal. Um, <clears throat> I think what needs to be said is people shouldn't be um people be what needs to become more common knowledge is the the way the Pereira fee is being paid over four years, that's very, very, very common. Mm. And I think everyone knows that transfer fees are paid instalments. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like everyone does know that. But I think I'm guilty of it as well. Like you play football manager and you play other games. You sign a player for twenty million pounds and you pay fourteen million pounds up front and six in add-ons. Mm. And I think that's what, from what I'm starting to gather, is that it's not. It doesn't work like that. The fourteen. Everyone thinks you get the vast sum of money at the beginning and you don't it's very much spread out it seems now um so the equal payments over four years is is starting to become very very common yeah um so but yeah you can you can understand why i can't you could look there's no that there's no i can understand why people are unhappy with the periphery of course you can he's, he's definitely worth more than that um i think albin decided it was time to move on and yeah, that's the situation we're in now. It just is what it is, I guess. Um... And it's what it is. And you have to remember, it's, I said this in the piece. And if you haven't read the piece, I think you really need to read the piece because it does explain where I've been. I've spent their money this season, uh, this this summer. Sorry, um, it explains that they thoroughly expected Sam Johnson and Mateus Pereira to leave at the start of the window, um, <clears throat> and I think they were looking at between 25 and 30 million pounds for Pereira, probably about 10 million pounds for Sam Johnston. 
So the amount of money they were expecting to get to boost their transfer kitty just didn't arrive. Yeah. It's just never, ever arrived. And then you look at where else they've spent the money. Um, <clears throat> and they have signed players on loan. They have spent agent fees. They have wages have gone out. They've given new contracts to players, blah, 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 blah. It's all in this piece. Um, and then the, the one, one thing that I found quite interesting, just the last thing I'll say about it is, <clears throat> Albert have set money aside for the, for, for, for the 22-23 season mm. um, in case they don't go up over the next two years. So basically everything now is wages. They're, they're, their biggest outlay by a long, long way is wages. That's the way football's going now. More Wages and wages of players are going up and up and up. Fees are actually outside the big six, whatever, the top of the Premier League. They're actually coming down. More money is being spent on wages, um, on players and on wage bills. And Albion, are, Albion have got a lot of players on long-term contracts. Carlin Grant, Grady Dean Garner, Matt Phillips now, Callum Robinson. Who else? Connor, Connor Towns? Uh, no, sorry, Darnell Furlong. All these players are on long deals. But as of next season, they do not get parachute payments. Yeah. So <clears throat> Albion, are, they, they've got the second highest wage budget in the division. It's, it's streets ahead of the vast majority of teams, them and Fulham are higher, but they're paying out an awful lot of money on wages. They can do that while they're getting their parachute payments, but if that was to stop and they weren't to go up, they wouldn't be able to carry on affording the players at the the wages they've got them, really. Mm. It wouldn't be as sustainable. So they're putting money aside in case they don't go up over the next two years, which is a very, very sensible um, way of doing things. Look, the whole aim is to go up, so hopefully they will. But you just never, ever know in football, do you? Like, you never, ever know. Alvin could finish third this season and next season on goal difference and lose a penalty shootout in the final, in the playoffs, both times. Yeah. So they have planned for worst-case scenario. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing to plan for worst-case scenario. Also, they've not used an overdraft. Albion will not go into an overdraft. They do not want to do it. Um, so bear in mind, they lost £23 million pounds, um, in the season they won promotion. We haven't had the accounts for last season yet. But in the season they won promotion, they lost £23 million. Pounds. It's quite remarkable, really, they're not using an overdraft. So <clears throat> I get the lack of, I get why fans were angry, and I understand the lack of ambition. Like, to, to be honest, for, for, for me, that all goes towards Gouch and Lie. Yeah. Um, and... There are a lot of fans that say, well, you don't need an owner to invest. Like, it's a fine to be self-sufficient and, and run the way you do. And that is true. That is absolutely true. Um, but for me, you want for me you want Villa's owners. There's no other way to say it, really. You yeah. want owners like Villa who are going to put in their own cash. <clears throat> Particularly if Albion get up. That's my concern with it. I think this, is, this model is kind of fine, really, when they're battling to get out of the championship. Because I think they're always going to be at the top end of the championship. But I'm I'm struggling to see how they they're going to survive next yeah. season. How do you stay up? How do you stay up? Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, my frustrate. I've got no frustration with the way Albion are being run. I'm just mentally frustrated with the way Lie runs them. Really. Yeah. I suppose uh, the only <clears throat> the best way to kind of tackle that would be if you're Lie and looking to sell, you maybe sound someone out and, and put an agreement in place when the club are in the championship and say, look, 
it will go through if we go up because you obviously want a Premier League team. And then you, you exchange hands then as opposed to waiting until you're up. And then, you know, you're already on a, a little bit of a backward step because by the time the the the, uh, the purchase will go through, you don't have too much time to invest money and, and, throw, and throw money at players. And then, you know, improve the transfer budget and sign players um, as you would do if the owner was in place beforehand. So I suppose it's, it's always going to be a tricky situation with ownership, isn't it? Um, and we have to just say, in fairness to Lai, he did say that from the outset. Like he, yeah. he, he always said that this was going to be the way he was going to do things. So we're not shouldn't be surprised by it. it shouldn't be. Um, it's just I just personally, just as speaking my own opinion, I just find it frustrating. I think if you own a football club at that at the at the level Albion are at, you've got a duty to invest. Personally. Yeah, it's not very often you make too much money out of owning a football club. So if you're going to do that, you normally need to invest a fair bit of cash into it. Um, let's talk about the signings that did come in, albeit not on deadline day. Uh, Jordan Hugill, Jason Malumbi, um and Kian Bryan yesterday, of course. Hugill, I've already kind of touched on I think that could be a very smart signing. It's gonna, it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. He, he is... It's going to be really interesting to see how he goes, really, because obviously he moved to West Ham. When did he move to West Ham? 2018, so not long ago. Um, for a heck of a transfer thing, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, it was, it was about £10 million, so I mean, that is an awful lot of money. Uh, but, but, and that was, of course, based on what he did at Preston, which he was, he was, he was absolutely superb for Preston, um, <clears throat> where he linked up with Callum Robinson, very well, so there's a relationship there already. His career since then, yeah, I mean, he just didn't get going from at West Ham, did it? He, he, he went out on loan to Middlesbrough, went out on loan to QPR, did very well yeah. at um, QPR, from what I can remember. Um, <clears throat> and then Norwich last season, I mean, Daniel Farker at Norwich absolutely loved him, um, yeah. but he didn't start a lot of games. Um, for the vast majority of games are from the bench, but Farker's on record as saying he was a massive part of the promotion, a massive part of the dressing room, um, like a huge option for him to have. So <clears throat> there's, there's, there's potential Hugo, isn't there? He's 29. Um, yeah, it feels like he needs to get his name in lights a bit more. It feels like he had a sort of moment in the spotlight that led to his West Ham move, but perhaps he's gone, I don't know, perhaps he's gone a little bit under the radar since then. Yeah, um, but comes a good. I think I think he could be. A, I think he could be a clever signing. And <clears throat> what I do think is, I think we were all. I, I think absolutely, and Ishmael thinks this that you need that type of centre forward in the squad. But, but I'm really excited by the Carlin Grant, Callum Robinson, Matt Phillips, Grady Dean Garner front line the thing that's been going for these last five games. Yeah. And I do think they're going to score goals. I do think they are a threat. I do think they're going to cause teams an awful lot of problems. So I think Hugo's a nice mixture into that pot, if you like. Um, yeah, I think he, we're just going to see how he goes. Yeah, the one thing that really interests me about him is, um, and you can't really say this for Callum Robinson, because I think Callum Robinson's been fantastic, but Robinson's more of that striker, I think, personally, that will go out and obviously try and score goals himself. Whereas with Hugo... I think obviously he's got that about him. Knows where the net is, loves to score a goal. But I think he's a little bit more capable of playing teammates in. You know, the likes of Grady Dean Garner, the likes of Carlin Grant. I think having Hugel there, if say you were playing a front three of Grant, Hugel and Dean Garner, 
I think you're more likely to see goals from the two wide players as opposed to Hugel. Yeah, yeah, which is very sort of what Hal Robson Carney did, wasn't it? In the year, but I mean, I think I think Hugo might be better than Robson Carney. A statement because I really like Robson Carney. I think Hugo will offer more of a goal threat for sure. I wouldn't have let him go, but scored ten goals. Robson Carney did the year we went up. Who do you reckon starts at striker in ten games time? Do you reckon Hugo could get in there? I don't think he'd have been brought in if he couldn't. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? But <clears throat> I've been so impressed by the by the, the by them the way they are. Um, I gotta be honest. I don't know an awful lot about Jordan Hugo. Like I thought he did well when he came off the bench against Peterborough. Um, but it's gonna. We just need to see him develop in the team. I think we need to see how he performs when when he gets a chance. But as mm. I mean, in terms of Millwall on Saturday. He doesn't start for me. Um, and, yeah, those those players have got the shirts at the moment, haven't they? I, I, I'm impressed with that forward line as it is, but we'll see. We will. Uh, Jason Malumbi, he's a man I've not seen much of, if I'm going to be brutally honest. What what do you think we can expect from him? Just very much uh, Ishmael type of central midfielder, really. Um, just bundles and bundles of energy knows how to press will just provides he's he's just exactly what they need um mm. to cover Livermore and Moet look I think he's a good look it's an interesting one because Albin clearly rating very highly what I've been told is the deal to sign him is basically done I think it's on there is something that will trigger it at some stage but they're they're very very keen to sign him um Albion and yeah I, I expect Malumbi to be a permanent Albion player basically so he's clearly a player Ishmael wanted tracked believes can fit his system I think he gives real real competition in central midfield yeah. um, which I think Albion needed to be honest um, to me they needed him more than they needed a striker yeah um, which well I think a lot of people really wanted a striker but I haven't seen in Robert Snodgrass in central midfield because I miss the Arsenal game. Personally, I don't think Kevin Castro is ready yet. Um, I think he, I think he needs more time with the under twenty three. So they needed someone backing up Livermore and Mower, um, and I think Malumbi was is the right man for that. Fair enough. And Key and Brian, vital cover, um, at the in the least, um, given the injury problems that they've got. And even more vitally, left-footed, so he can he can actively cover for that left side now. So if if Albion have all their defenders fit, which obviously they won't do um, for at least six months, mm. you've got Brian who can now fill in for for Matt Clark. You've got any one of Ajay, O'Shea, uh, Kipre, and Bartley who can play on the right side or centrally. Yeah, and, and, and Ishmael has spoken about this an awful lot, how he wants a right footer on the right side, how he wants a left footer on the left side. Um, he is really, really big on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what Keen Bryan is. He's a left-sided left centre-back. Every appearance he had for Sheffield United was on the left of three centre-backs. He literally only played there for them, I think. Um, so he is 
Look, he, he was probably the most after. I mean, as when the window closed, I would argue he was the most in demand free agent. Uh, at the start of the transfer window, the most in demand free agent was Alex Mowat, and yeah. Albin got him. When it closed, Gian Bryan was probably the most in demand free agent. Been linked with a host of clubs um, throughout the summer. Twenty four years old. He's a great age. It would be interesting to sit down with him, and he got offered a deal to remain at Sheffield United. It would be interesting to know why he decided to turn that down and become a free agent, um, mm. and how he felt when the transfer window closed, because he was still on the market then. It must have been a strange time for him. I mean, he played 13 times in the Premier League last season, and and suddenly he's without a club and the window's closed. Um, but he seems to be a player that's been on Albion's radar. He's been linked multiple times with Albion this summer, it appears like he's always been high up on their shortlist. Perhaps Matt Clark was top of that shortlist. That's why he came in. But once O'Shea and Clark have had their injuries, he's been sort of the natural person to go to. And Alvin, you've got to say, Albin have moved real quick. Yeah. Um, real, real quick. Uh, I mean, if I don't think O'Shea's injury was actually officially... I don't think it was officially announced how long he was going to be out for. No, and well, they... Like- I, part of me thinks they kept that quiet. From what I understand, look, I think I think everyone knew straight away it was a bad one. He, yeah. he went he went for he went for a scan in Dublin immediately after um, the Portugal game where he picked up the injury. For, for that scan, he, they couldn't determine what the extent. His leg was just so swollen. He came mm. back to Albion and basically everyone knew it was bad, but they couldn't determine the length of the injury until he was able to have a, a scan, which was only possible when the swelling had gone down. Yeah. Um, so I think at that stage, nobody was, nobody thought he was going to be back within a couple of weeks. Um, but at the same time, they didn't know if it was going to be two months, three months, four months, six months. Um, and just the extent of it, because it's an actual ankle break and ligament damage, isn't it? So mm. there's a lot going on there with that injury. Yeah, it's a nasty one. And it's, I mean, obviously a massive blow because O'Shea's been fantastic. Yeah, he's been absolutely immense. I tweeted yesterday, he's been immense this season, everyone's saying that. But he's, but for me, he's been immense from the moment he came inside. Mm. I'll never forget when Project Re... I, I think he was Albion's best player after Project Restart. Um, from that whenever football resumed to whenever it ended I can never remember now he scored some big goals and he was one of the few players for me that looked like he wasn't playing with the absolute weight of the world on his shoulders Mm. he was very very good and he was very good everywhere I mean the lad played everywhere he was right back centre back left back he really was everywhere Um, I think he's made a huge impression ever since breaking into the team yeah. Chip started chipping in my goals this season. <clears throat> Sorry, I keep clearing my throat. I bet that's really annoying for people, but I'm doing it naturally. I can't help it. I've got like a it's been stuck at the back of my throat, but um, I think it's. A real, I can't wait to see him back in back in an album shirt. I really can't. Mm. Real shame for him. Hopefully, it's not one that you know um, has a, has too much of an effect on him. Um, all right, let's talk about an actual game because uh, it's been a, it's been a little while since Albion had a game. Uh, Peter Neil Albion won. What drama? Yeah, great game. And, and, well, Albion, Albion were, were poor, if we're being honest. They never got going. They played with intensity and aggression that Ismail demands, but nothing clicked for them. It wasn't working. I've said, I've said in the first four games, it, the football's been so entertaining. It's been enthralling. I mean, this, 
we'll call it vertical football because that's what Val wants to call it. I said before in this podcast, you write it down on paper, it doesn't sound great. Like it's long, it's long balls for quick. Like it's very, very direct. But if we're not supposed to use that word, but hmm. it doesn't sound great. But you watch it, and it was amazing. The first four games, bang, 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 intensity, aggression, winning the ball high at the pitch, goals galore, chances created. It was absolutely fantastic to watch. It was so entertaining. At Peterborough, it wasn't. Um, though Albin couldn't create a chance, they were just struggling to create chances. Nothing would come off for them. Final pass, the movement just wasn't there. It, and then when the, when the chances aren't coming, the long balls, they don't look great. It feels a bit route one. It feels a bit hit and hype. It feels doesn't feel very sort of tactical, really, which is what it has been. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They've just been so good at so many chances created in those first four games, and it just didn't happen to Peterborough. I've got to say immense credit to Peterborough. Immense credit. Mm-hmm. Um, Albion are incredibly fit they do play with this, this incredible energy and Peterborough matched them um, they really did on the day I've got to say they created nothing either yeah. um, very very little and as the game got into like the last 20 minutes or so it was Albion creating all the chances um, I mean Shemi Ajay hit the post I think Hugel had a header saved um, and yeah I don't know I um I felt I always felt they would nick it. Um, throwing Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail under the bus here, but he did say with like fifteen minutes to go, would you take a point? And I was like, no. Mm. Like we can we can we can have this. And in the ninety fourth minute, obviously Shemi Ajay, brilliant work by Matt Phillips. He was he was very good, even though Albion didn't create a lot of chances. Phillips did have a good game, um, and he and he yeah did brilliantly to get to the byline, sending the cross and Ajay obviously slotted it home and it was it, the game the game was dreadful but it was worth it for that moment um, because that moment was absolutely incredible mm. um, a year without fans in the ground pandemic away game 94th minute you score in front of the away end um, it was just wild the away end were just going absolutely off the head Valerian Ishmael's running down the touchline I was going to say the Ishmael, the, the Ishmael celebration. It was all about that, wasn't it? Uh, it was all about. I mean, it's, it was funny because we, in terms of like, he, he's so professional. Like he's so professional. So when I when we speak to him as the media, he's just so professional all the time. The one word, if you actually use one word to describe Ishmael, it's professional. He's always got this professional demeanour. He's always very thoughtful with what he says. He's always very balanced with what he says. He, he, he's, he's calm and measured. And he just and then all of a sudden he's running down the touchline like an absolute madman. It was, absolute, it was absolutely hilarious. He doesn't even uh, wave at the fans when they ask for it. <laughs> he doesn't even wave at the fans, yeah, because he's so in the moment. And just so, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he doesn't even wave at the fans. Yeah. And then, yeah, he won't... He won't um, yeah, sing Ishmael, give us a wave, he won't wave, but it'll basically run to celebrate with him if you get a 94th minute winner. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean... It was great. Uh, Fergie wasn't a fan of Fergie time, was he? No, 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 no. Yeah. I thought, I mean, he... We didn't do a video after that game, did we? Well, I wasn't there, mate. You weren't there, mate, yeah. Um... I thought Darren Ferguson was um, 
ridiculous after that game, to be honest. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. The comments that came out about Ishmael saying something like, he, he's not Pep Guardiola, he's only got into the playoffs with Barnsley once or something. I mean, where did that come from? I mean, and he ordered some he... fries with some extra salt, didn't he? It? it was ridiculous. It was, like, it was absolutely ridiculous. It was, just, it was just so unnecessary. I don't know why he was even bothering to say. Why was he bringing up... Why was he comparing Ishmael to Pep Guardiola? And why was he bringing up the fact that he got Barnsley to the playoffs? It just struck me as a man who was... You're always going to have it after such an emotional you know, moment. You're going to be a little bit bitter. I think, in retrospect, I think he probably looked back at it and wishes that he'd probably bitten his tongue. Yeah, I, I said that afterwards. I think it, it's hard because we're speaking about it almost two weeks after the event. So I think in hindsight, he must have thought, look, his team, his team gave him everything and they got beat by a 94th minute winner against a team that, let's be honest, probably costs... You can't compare the two wage budgets. Mm. I mean, Albion would be paying their players astronomical sums compared to what Peterborough players are getting. Um, they gave him everything. It was it was it was a hammer blow for them. But I thought his comments were. I was surprised at how poor they were. Really, it was it wasn't great. It was poor form, wasn't it? It was poor form. Yeah. Um, how much of a lift will that result be? Because. I know that the mood was great anyway. It's going to be, you know, the winning games, Albion, and they've not been beaten yet. And, you know, barring the Carabao Cup game where they played kids against a full strength Arsenal, it's been nothing but plain sailing. Will that just hammer home, you know, that Albion, Albion players will have already bought into this system? But a result like that, you know, plucking it right at the end, will that even lift that further? That's what Ishmael said post match. He just said that you you can do every you can do everything as a manager to fathom a team spirit and to get players playing the way you want them to play. And obviously, wins are huge. They build confidence from men and they keep it. everyone's happy when 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 there's a win when the wins are coming. But but nothing nothing can compare to that moment, can it? Mm. No, nothing can compare. Like no, nothing can. Um, like, and the keeping going, like keeping pushing forward, keeping going, and then getting that ninety fourth minute winner. And I am repeating myself, but the fact that it was at the away end, the fact that it was after a year about fans in, it was just amazing. So of course it's going to strengthen the bond between them. Of course it's going to keep them believing that they can keep, they can score at any time, and they can win matches later on. Ishmael certainly believes so. He thought it was a really big moment for the rest of the season. Um. So yeah, if he thinks it, then. He's probably right, isn't he? But I think it will be. I think it will be. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for the City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell's Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support, and are looking for re- to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or call 01902 553818.
Shall we get to questions? Yes. Let's go. How long have we been going for? Oh, 47 minutes. minutes. Go on. Um, here we go. Mark Hale, why do we continue with this loan player policy? It comes back to bite us so many times. We should be building a side that is ours. Didn't say Ken. Didn't Ken say, sorry, this would change under his watch? Uh, so if I've been got on loan, Jason Malumbi with a view to buy. Yeah. Matt, Matt Clark, who... I imagine they'll, if things go well, they'll probably consider bringing him in permanently. Yeah, I mean, he's available, you'd imagine. He's never kicked a ball for Brighton, so... Um, yeah. I don't know, a lot of people... I've got to be honest, I don't have a massive problem with that. A lot of people do seem to have a, bit, a real bee in their bonnet about it. I, I don't know, because I didn't know, I didn't cover Albion at that time. But for me, it stem, a lot of it stem, seems to stem from when Luke Dowling made some, I don't know, if, I think they were poor loan additions. Players like Jefferson Montero, was it Jacob Murphy? Yeah. Um, and I think Dowling has been sort of hit with that stick quite often. He brought too many players in on loan. I think, look, loan signings are a thing. All clubs do them. No one's got a lot of cash in the championship. Loan signings are going to be made. If you think in the past, Albion have made too many loan signings or too many poor loan signings, I think the person who was responsible for those loan signings, if it is, if we are talking about the Montero Murphy deals, deals like that, isn't at the football club anymore. Mm. I agree that Ken said he wanted to get away from that. Um, but I mean, am I am I making a mistake? Here? Who else? Have, we've got Jordan Hugel on loan, haven't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. If I look, I don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Hugel. He might score twenty goals a season. He might fire Albion up. Albion might go up next season. Then I might sign him, and he might score ten goals in the Premier League. And he's the best thing since sliced bread. But for me, Jordan Hugel feels like a little bit of a stopgap to help Albion get to where they want to be. I don't want to call him that really, but it's just the impression I get at this moment in time. Who knows how it'll actually play out? But I haven't got a problem with bringing a player like that and not making a permanent sign in. Mm. I don't. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe. Uh, but if people, yeah, I don't. I don't see the issue with it. Yeah, I. Th- I, th- I just think yeah. it can be frustrating when you develop a player, and I think the, the bigger frustration I think comes from from ones like. For example, Harvey Barnes, um, who was fantastic and then was pulled away from the club in the middle of the season. That's a real frustration. Um, but Bilic would always say that he would say the, the championship, when he, when he, when he, when he analysed the championship, he said it was, it's, always, it's, it's a strange league because you, have, you basically have a hell of a lot of championship players, players who belong in the championship. They will play their whole careers in the championship because they're not good enough for the Premier League, mm. but they are good enough. They're too good for League One. But he said that what then happens is you get, you get an influx of players, whether they, whether they come through at their own clubs or they come in on loan that are Premier League quality. And he says that's that's where the league becomes interesting yeah. because there are 
there are these players who are prem quality in the championship. So for obviously Pereira and Dean Garner, when we last went up, were prem quality really. Mm. So you need some of those players. If you want to go up, if you're realistically going to go up, you need to have some some stardust. And, and, and the chances are, to get those players, you're going to have to bring them in on loan. Because if they're not at your club, everyone, everyone at Leicester, before he joined Albion, everyone at Leicester knew how good Harvey Barnes potentially could be. If you, even though he'd barely kicked the ball for Leicester, if you wanted to sign him, he would have cost millions and millions of pounds. Yeah. Even though he was nowhere near their first team, really. I want to say nowhere near it, but even though he hadn't really featured for their first team. So you can't just... I think all managers, especially managers that want to get up, are looking for a bit of stardust. They, they need that bit of prem quality in their team. And I think it's, it's very hard to get it. Loans, and and the truth is, players like clubs like Leicester, like Man City, whoever, all these big clubs in the Premier League, they're stockpiled of players. Mm. They're stockpiled of absolute quality. So the only way you can get them is on loan. It's it's it, if I it, it's just the reality of where Albion are in the pecking order. I think. I just I don't think you, you just don't think you, I just don't think you can expect it to be any different. Yeah. I agree with that one. Uh, Jack Ormrod, do you think, as a fan base, we, like many others, have become obsessed with transfers? ITKs are everywhere, updates are constantly asked for, etc. Do you also think we overhype other teams' transfer business and downplay our own? I've seen some of our own fans writing off some of our signings already without even seeing them play, yet make out other team signings to be game-changers when they haven't even played a minute of football either. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I completely agree with that. Um... It's gone. It's gone absolutely crazy. Um, the ITKs are so frustrating, aren't they? The ITKs are really frustrating. Look, some, so they get some stuff right. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But I, I do, I do monitor their accounts, and 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 I see an awful lot of what they're getting wrong. Like they see so much stuff that I know is wrong, but I can't say it because I don't really want to. Like, I don't really want to embarrass them. I don't really want to call them out on Twitter. I think it'd just be a bit like silly to do that, really. And. Mm. Yeah, but it's painful to see it. Like it's like, it's because I do get an awful lot wrong. But yeah, I don't know. It's gone. It's gone crazy. Really. I mean, I, I've always, I've always said on this podcast, I've got to be in my bonnet about people saying deals are done when they're when they're not done. Yeah, I said before a million times. Like, there's no, there's no. The Albion have got no, or any other club have got no reason not to keep a deal to keep a deal quiet if they, if they sign I can, I can guarantee you everyone list, every, everyone listening to this that whenever Albion have signed a player or if any Albion signing in the future Albion make there will never be a time when Ken Valishmael and the head of communications are sat in their office with the player and it's all signed and then they're going to go oh should we just keep this to ourselves for three days like should we just <laughs> like should we just not tell anyone should it just be our little secret like that's just never going to happen it, it only benefits them to get the information out there so the signings are done literally when the player is holding the shirt and you see that picture it might be a couple of hours later because they've got a, they want a, a time to do interviews and to get those pictures and to prepare the press release and this that and the other but when mm. people say oh it's done he's going to be announced whenever it's just it's just, it's just not true um, 
But I'm starting to think, do you know what? They should. Yeah. I know, I know, um, look, Hugo played against um, Peterborough. Um, so they couldn't, Albin couldn't really do it then. But I think if, if Albin had announced Hugo and Malumbi on deadline day, deadline day would have been different. Yeah. I don't think there would have been the reaction that there was. Um, and I think that's because Deadline Day has become such a thing that now it's an event. It's become an event every year. And you see Sky Sports ticking down the clock and it's like you want to be a part of it. It's like you want your club to be a part of it. You feel like you should be a part of it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's... I think it's got... I think it's all gotten a little bit out of hand, to be honest. Um I do, I do think it's got a little bit of hand. I stand by that. I think if Mullen being Hugo had signed deadline day, it would have, it would have been a different reaction. Um, yeah. I, I, everyone's obsessed with transfers now. Everyone's obsessed with them. Yeah. It's every time Albion posts something, poor old admin. So announce this, announce that. Yeah, I mean, asked before. I mean, the amount of times I've, I've tweeted, like, you tweet, oh, Albion have signed Keane and Brian. And then someone will reply saying, oh, we have to a striker. Like, it's not even like, it's, people aren't even happy with the one they got. It's always on to the next one. It, it's like, it has to be con- a constant string of transfer news. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I completely blame Sky Sports. <laughs> yeah. It's gone, they've just taken it, made it into such a show um, and such a, a circus, really. Um, that everything's gone a bit strange but I think that is I genuinely think that is the crux of the issue mm. I feel like people feel like they, their club has to be involved in it because it it's got so much like glitz and glamour to it deadline day I think yeah. people feel annoyed if they're not involved and it is just one day like it's it's strange it's just another day of the window chaps just another day of the window yeah it is um, Leo Watkins how much of this season's current success is down to the system of manager and how much is down to the core group of players having played together for a few years and developed an understanding I think you've got to put a lot of this down to um, Ishmael yeah I think it's pretty 50-50 I think I think what what's been great about Ishmael is it's a, such a unique way of playing and he's obviously a manager that people really enjoy playing for that it's given everyone a new lease of life really um they're all behind him they're all behind they're all i think they're all i think they're all interested by it mm. i think we all are aren't we? we're all sort of captivated by ishmael's style and how far this can actually take albion and how just how different it is and it's given everyone a fresh start and i think he, i think that's really helped everyone dust off the cobwebs of last season and I said it before, like I felt, it felt like in many ways last season was a non-event. Like no fans in grounds, Albion. But let's be honest, relegated fairly early. Um, we could all see it was going one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and with no fans in the grounds, it kind it in some it sounds really odd, but in some ways it feels like we press stop after winning promotion, and then press play again for this season, having not got the promotion. It, yeah. And that was what my worry was, that all those players, like Jake Livermore, like Carl Bartley, like Shemi Ajay, Furlong, Townsend, who'd, 
busted the gut to get to the Premier League. And then they got there and it was a bit of a non-event. And then all of a sudden you're asking them to go again. I thought that might be a tough ask for a lot of them. Um, but I think Ishmael's system, just the way Ishmael is, he's taken all of that away. So I think, and that was so important. That was so, so, so important. But I also think these are damn good players. Mm. Um, like I do genuinely believe they are, a lot of them are championship star performers, really. Um, so I think they'd always, I mean, I think they'd always be competitive in this league, personally. Um, but I like the, but, but, but I do think Ishmael's been a great appointment and I do like the way the team's going with him. Mm. Richard Downing, Luke should have an Albion potty night out stag day. You'd be, invited to, you'd, be, you'd be invited to my stag day. Would I? Yeah. Where are we going? Somewhere abroad. Ah, oh, not cheap. <laughs> Albion pre-season tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, can, we can mix it in with that, I'm sure. Um... Daniel Touch, do you think Dara O'Shea will be fit enough to make the wedding? The wedding will be a long time off, don't worry. Um, when is the wedding going to be? Do we know? No, 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 no. Have you got an early sort of date in mind? No, 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 no. You have an early date in mind? Sometime in the future. If I said to you, will it be in 2022, could you say no, yes, or possible? Uh, doubtful. Okay, so what about 2023? Potential. 2024? It'll be 2023 or 24, I reckon. Right, so we're already sort of shortening the window. It'll be 23, won't it? I mean, it's within two years. <laughs> yeah, that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah, like there's a two-year window for it. 2023, okay. Looking forward to it. More seriously, any free transfers that you think the club should be looking at to boost the squad? Uh, it's back on Simon's, aren't we? He follows... Um, uh, I personally don't think so. Um, if one pops up, which is just too good to turn down, then maybe. But I couldn't. I couldn't think of a name that comes to my head. I, I mean, I've scoured the free agents. I mean, there's a uh, there's a lad who did all right for Celtic. I can't remember his name now. He's been a bit in demand this summer. He's been. He's a free. He's had injury problems. He's a centre back. Southampton have been linked with him. I think he's got offers from the Bundesliga. Oh yeah, I can't remember his name either. He might be half decent, but he's injury prone. I can't see many that a, a lot. You look on transfer market at the free agents, an awful lot of them are based abroad. Players that haven't really played in England, or if they had, it was a long time ago. It's like I said earlier, Andre Wisdom's a name that stands out for me on that list. But I don't think he was great for Derby last season. I'm, I don't think anyone's going to be dancing mm. in the streets if Albion sign Andre Wisdom. I think he. I think he played a fair few times for Derby last season, but I mean, I don't, I don't, I just don't see who. But I don't, I, I'm not, I, I, I just don't think there's a need to. Um, if Darnell Furlong gets injured, then maybe that, that changes. Um, but as it stands, I'm genuinely content with the squad, and I, I'm, I'm surprised more people aren't really. Mm. People might think I'm crazy for that, but I genuinely think they're going to be all right. Yeah. Um, Stephen Harrington, uh, now that Luke Hatfield is no longer a free man, is this one podcast a month a sign of things to come? Probably. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> Just, it was unfortunate timing between us, I think. You had a week off, I had a week off. It's just the way it was. 
Just away, yeah. Just away. Cookie crumbled, mate. Mm. We'll be back now, won't we? Yeah, we'll be back. We'll be here for most of the rest of the season. There'll be the odd week where maybe one t- one of us has a week off. I don't know. Yeah, you. But yeah, carry on. If you say that, I don't, I don't know. You might have a week off. Too hard working. Okay. Uh, Sonal Patel, with our centre-backs dropping like flies, could we see Val switch to a 4-3-3 at any point? I would say that's highly doubtful. Me too. Ah, so this brings me very nicely, actually, onto two stories I want to promote, which I haven't put on Twitter yet, but they're both on on the website. Um, So he studied... So he he was... I actually asked him once who sort of which managers have influenced him, and he gave a really good answer about how he's had... Lots of like ups and downs in his career so far, and this and the other. But he didn't actually say a name to me, mm. and then he and then he went to speak to Neil Moxley from the People, who said, "Oh, Joe asked you that. Can I just build on that? Can you give us a bit more?" So I've stolen those quotes, right? So they're on our website. I've wrote the stories with those quotes. So it was you have to give Neil Moxley credit for actually getting those quotes in the first place. But yeah, he's basically heavily influenced Ishmael by Antonio Conte. Um, mm. which I think is really, really interesting, partly because I think Conte is absolutely top drawer as a manager. And if I was any club, I'd probably be moving heaven on earth to get him, with the exception of maybe Man City and Liverpool. Um, but, yeah, I think he's... You know, and he really, he's really likes the 3-4-3. He got the idea, but he, he said... He, he, in this story, it explains it all, so go on the website and read it, but he basically, knew, he, he had a feeling a long time ago that three at the back was the future, basically. Mm. Um, that he felt that's the way the game was heading and that you needed to find a way to play with three at the back, and, and he, but he needed to find a way to play with three at the back that would cover the inadequacies his team was going to have by playing with such high intensity. And he he basically found that by studying Conte. Yeah. He would go and watch him at Juventus and he watched him at um, uh, Chelsea. So, no, I don't think he will change. I think 3 4 3 is his way. Um, but yeah, I think that's really, I, think that, I thought that was interesting. Um, <clears throat> the other interesting thing, I put this story out on the website today, is it, I think this is just funny, just a little Ishmael anecdote. Yeah. So he told his wife, he basically, as the, he knows what he needs to do to be a successful manager, as he was on the way home from being sacked from Wolfsburg. Mm. So basically, he was at Wolfsburg and he was, he was sort of formulating his high intensity style of play while with their kids. Cause he was with the, and then he got promoted to take charge of the first team. Obviously, the pressure there was a lot more. And they had big name players like Mario Gomez and stuff. And he, he basically didn't... I think what he was saying was that he was trying to juggle too many things. He was playing four at the back. He was trying to keep Mario Gomez in the side. Results weren't going as he wanted to. And then he, he, then he was like, no, I've got to do things my way. I've got this like, way I want to play, this high intensity, this 3-4-3, three, three, whatever it is. This is what I want to do. Yeah. So the next game... When he finally sort of, I don't know if it's made it fine, but when he, when he truly had the courage of his convictions to do exactly what he wanted and not maybe be bogged down by a big name or feeling like he's got a play, he, he's got, he hasn't got the players to play three at the back, he's got the players to play four at the back. He, he, he finally went with his courage and convictions, played this game, he was going to word of Bremen, 
They lost 2-1, but they had 27 shots on goal. Um, and, yeah, he was called in after that game and sacked. <laughs> but he was like, he said to his wife on the way in, that was the, f- basically, that he's got it. Like, that was the first time he'd actually done what he'd always wanted to do. So she was saying to him, are you joking? Like, you're telling me you've, you've finally worked it out now and you've just lost your job. Um, and he was like, we're going to be, it's going to be, he said, it's going to be all right. I've got it. I've like, it's the the final like pieces of the puzzle have come together in my head. I know what I want to do now. Mm. Um, and that's, I think that's really, really interesting because since then he has had nothing other than success. He went to LASK in Austria, took them into the Europa League for the first time in their history. They won their group, which contained some big teams. PSV was in there. I can't remember someone else as well. Mm. Uh, they got through the round of 32 they were knocked out by Man United, which, when you're LASK or Alaska or however, however they like to call themselves, you're going to probably lose to Man United with the budget Man United have got at their disposal. Yeah. He then went to Barnsley. Obviously, everyone knows what he did at Barnsley. His win record at Barnsley is ridiculous. He won so many games there. Um, and now he's with us. So from the moment... It's clicked. It really has clicked for him. So, pers- so I think that's I think that's really encouraging. Uh, if you're an Albion fan, yeah, massively. I think it's really encouraging. Definitely is. Um, just what a time to get the sack, eh? What a time to get the sack. Yeah, absolutely good. Yeah, is that going to happen to one of us? Lost, mate. Wolfsburg's lost. Albion's game. Yeah. Well, are we going to get sacked? Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out the perfect way. To create like a pre-match video or post-match video, and then we'll get sack. Oh. And then in a couple of years, you'll be working as like the head of Sky Sports. Oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, okay, two games coming up this week: Millwall first, Derby second. Derby in midweek, of course. Millwall on Saturday. Uh, two chances to keep the run going, Joe. Can they do it? Yeah, I think so. Um... And neither side have started well. No, they haven't started well. Um, uh, Millwall, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. Um, yeah, they got the, the the big name that stands out for them is Jed Wallace, isn't it? Um, mm. I think he's a really good player at this level. Um, he's sort of off that right wing. He's he's a threat. There's no doubt about it. He's a threat. He, he, He's a really good player. They've got they, they got Ryan Woods now. I know he went to Blues, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he went because he was there last season, wasn't he? But Gary Rowett, look, you know, you know what you're going to get from Millwall, don't you? You know they're going to be aggressive, front-footed, sort of direct in the more traditional sense, not the sort of vertical sense that um, that Ishmael says. But yeah, I, they got Benicophobia as well. He's a good player. Scores goals. Scored goals at this level. Interestingly, they're playing sort of a three-four-three as well now. Mm. They've played that a couple of times this season. A strange one for systems. I'm really into systems. Like I, they do fascinate me. I was surprised Peterborough matched us up at London Road. Mm. I thought if you go toe-to-toe with Albion's players, I just thought, well, I just think eight Albion's players are better, better, and I think they're going to be fitter because. The way Ishmael, the shape Ishmael has gotten in, but then I thought exactly the same 
when Sam Allardyce took us to Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting when you do match them up, when you do match teams up, how, how that can go. So I would expect, I would expect Albion to win the game. Look, it's really hard to keep winning, isn't it? It'd be five wins on the spin if they do win. Um, the run's got to come to an end at some time. You're not going to win every single week, but yeah, to me, Millwall are probably going to finish mid-table in the championship. Maybe a bit better, I don't know. Gary Rowett does get, get teams going, doesn't he? But it's, it's, it's a game you, you expect Albion to win for me. Mm. Especially after a break as well. They'll be, a bit, they'll be fresh. They, from what I understand, they've given a bit of an extended break over the international break. Ishmael sort of said after Peter Brill, like, this is your first batch of five games, give it absolutely everything. Then have your rest, recharge, go again. So Albion should be in good nick for it, I think. Yeah, I do think the break's from a good time for him. Um, could you see changes? Could we see maybe Hugo starting? Could we potentially see someone like Key and Brian thrown in early? I don't personally. I think Brian will be one. Maybe he's on the bench and then introduced slowly. I think Brian will be on the bench just because this man has said in the past. Every every he, he likes players to get up to speed with the way he plays, doesn't he? So I think. It's a difficult one because he is he is now the natural left sided defender in the squad, isn't he? But I can't see it. I can't. I, I think he'll want a bit of time with him a couple of weeks before he starts. So I think it's a massive chance for Kipra. It's going to be either Kipra or Townsend. I think yeah. he comes into the side. If he really wants a left footer there, he'll go Townsend and put Adam Reach on at left wing back like he did at Peterborough. If not, I think Kipra might start on the right and they might put a Jai on the left. Yeah. Um. It's a massive chance for Kipra because it's obviously look, he's never played. He didn't play in the first year he was at the club, bar two League Cup games and an FA Cup game. Went out on loan to Belgium, came back. He made a big impression on Ishmael. Big, big, big. So much so that Kipra started at Bournemouth. You have to remember that. Like he, yeah. he, Shami Ajayi was on the bench and Kipra was very much in favour that day. Um, but he didn't have the best of games there. And... He wasn't even in the squad at Peterborough. So, it's, it's, yes, he's had, a, he's had a strange season already. Um, and you just think, if it, if it doesn't happen for him now, Kipra, when is it ever going to happen for him at Albion? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, if, uh, the fact that Albion have been so keen to get straight into the market following Clark and O'Shea's injury doesn't look great for him. So he's got to perform for me, Kipra. Um He's facing a bit of a crunch time, really. And if he doesn't start, then I, I think probably the writing's on the wall for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think it will be Kipra because he can be a very good championship centre-back. And, I, and I, 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 to be honest, I want Townsend at left wing-back. Yeah, I think, I think take Townsend away from left wing-back and it, hurt, it hurts Albion. Yeah, I agree, yeah. I, still, I haven't seen a lot of Adam Reach there, but it still feels like a position he's growing into. Hmm. So that would be what I'd do. I'd put Kipra on the right, Ajay on the left, Bartley in the middle. And who would start front? I said it every week. To me, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's free, it's, it's, I think Hugo's on the bench. It's three from four after that. It, it's four. Yeah, hang on. Four men for three positions, isn't it? Um, I think Carl and Grant probably starts. Callum, obviously, will be assessed coming back from Republic of Ireland. Grady's not really got going yet. Matt Phillips mm. has been 
Excellent, really. So, yeah, I, I still think I've said it. I say it every single week. I think all all three of them offer so much. All four of them offer so much. So, it's it's, it's splitting hairs. It's, and it's, you've got you've got yeah. to add Hugo into that as well. Uh, yeah, I think Hugo will be on the bench and will be an option to come on if things aren't quite going to plan. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I see it anyway. We'll see. We'll get a better. Um... We'll get a better vibe from Ishmael, won't we, at his pre-match press conference? We will, mate. I'll see you there on Friday. Looking forward to it. Cannot wait, mate. You're not going to bother with Derby now. I mean, it's, Derby's a weird one. I expected Derby to be really struggling. They've done the better t- than I expected, haven't they, to be fair yeah. to them. But, I mean, they're the weaker of the two. Yeah. I expect I expect Albion to be beating Derby. At Me home. Too. Yeah, me too. Did you hear me then? Yeah. Sorry, my screen went black. Oh, never mind. We're having all sorts of technical issues today, aren't we? We are. We are. Um, all right, I just this computer. That just about does us, mate. Do you, do you have anything else to add? No, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad you finally popped the question. Cheers, mate. I'll um, I'll get Scar and Albion's website for your wedding list. Oh, well, that's, that's what we want people to un- send in now, don't we? That's what we want. No, we no, that's unnecessary. Toasters, mugs, what else do you get? What else do you need? Kettles? They must do a kettle, mustn't they? What's normally on a wedding list? We need a washing machine. You, you, you take that, wouldn't you? An Albion theme washing machine? No, not an Albion one. Just give me a good if one. If anyone's listening to this who works sells washing machines, you can get a good offer on an Albion washing machine. If you can decorate it, we'll get it for Luke Hatfield. No, 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 no. I'd love an Albion washing machine permanently in your house. That would make me really happy. I really wouldn't. You would. You would if it was a free washing machine. No, 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 no. You would. You no. Would. I, no, because uh, it would just, every time I walk into the kitchen, seeing that. Exactly. Brilliant. Free washing machine. If anyone out there can make it happen, get in touch. Absolutely. Do not do that. Been a pleasure, um, mate. All right. Okay. As always, uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please rate it, review it on your preferred podcasting platform and pass it on to someone who may not listen because they might enjoy it. And if they don't, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> from me, from Joe. It's a fun farewell for now. Goodbye.